Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to the broadcast this week. I'm going to be talking to you about what I call meeting the real you. You know, most people have never really discovered who they really are in Jesus. Most people are living out of the influences that have come into their life and have come in through the different stages of their life and the different relationships they've had, the judgments that other people have passed upon them. We have taken upon ourselves really the view that our parents, our educators, and everyone else in the world has had of us, and we've accepted that as our sense of identity. But I got, I got news for you. Even though at every stage of your life you've developed differently, God can heal your heart and you can be the real you. You can be the best version of you possible. You can be you in Jesus. This message and all of my other messages can be found on impactministries.com. Be sure and check it out. Stick around. Let everybody know they're going to hear a good word. Send out something on Facebook. Be ready. What if you woke up tomorrow and suddenly you realize that your life up until this point had just been a dream or maybe a nightmare, and then you realize that you're wealthy beyond your imagination, you're loved, you're accepted, you're part of an incredibly important family. That type of awakening would be the type of thing everybody would, would want in their lives. A heart awakening is just that. This series is going to be an incredible awakening for you about who you are and what you have. You want to get every word of this. And even though I titled this, this message today, Meeting the Real You, it probably should be more like awakening to the real you. You know, the Bible talks about awakening unto righteousness. You know, the word righteousness means how it should be. And it's talking about waking up to how life could be, to how life should be. And when we wake up to how life should be and how life could be, we're going to wake up to the reality of who we really are in Jesus. And I want to tell you something. That's where I want to help you go today. You see, you're living a life today that you didn't choose. And this is very important. And I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not trying to blame anybody else. But I want you to realize that at each stage of your life, there were certain skills that psychologists tell us that, that we should have developed. And if we didn't get the right nurturing, the proper nurturing at that stage of our life, then, uh, then we're going to have lack or we're going to have struggle in that area of our life. You know, so many times in counseling, I used to sit down with people and I'd say, now listen, I'll, I'm willing to help you make this journey. And really, I, I, I never wanted to do counseling. I wanted to do mentoring. And mentoring was where, you, where people that really wanted to make a journey would let you help influence their, their life. And, and many, many times I've sat down with adults and I would say, you know, what you've got to face is not that challenging. But the most challenging part is going to be your ego because you're going to have to learn some aspects of life that you should have learned when you were 14 years old. That means that people around you are going to have to help you and point out to you sometimes when you're doing things like a 14-year-old. And your ego is going to flare up and you're going to want to resist it and you're going to fight against it. But since you didn't learn that skill at 14, you got to learn it now or the rest of your life 
in that area of your life, you're going to function like a 14-year-old. You see, we didn't choose our parents. They didn't choose their parents. Most of our parents did the best that they could, and, uh, uh, but that didn't mean that they really understood or yielded to the nurturing that God was trying to inspire in their heart for us. I'm just going to run through this, this really, really quickly. I want you to understand, from birth to about a year old, the biggest thing that's being developed in your life is trust and, and mistrust. And the most important thing that's happened in your life is actually feeding. And you're being influenced by your mother. And out of, out of this connection with your mother and out of getting your needs met through feeding, you're developing your, your sense of trust or mistrust about really about the world around you. And you're actually going to take that into your adult life based on how it was established in your life even as a child. From ages about one uh, to three years old, you're dealing with autonomy versus doubt or self-doubt. And you know, the most important thing that happens at that age is toilet training and uh, really suggestibility uh, uh, from, your, from your primary caretaker, which is, which is your mother. And what's going to start happening at that age is you're going to start, you're going to start developing some degree of independence and, uh, and how your independence is handled, if it's rewarded, if it's discouraged, if you're controlled and dominated too much, um, then, then you're going to have doubt. If, if every time you try something, somebody puts the limits on you, then there's a very good probability that you're going to grow up uh, feeling uh, limited and, and really dreading or resisting a launching out into trying new things. From the ages three to about six years old, the conflict that you have is, is initiative versus guilt. And at this stage, you're really establishing more independence. And, uh, and if parents made you feel guilty for things that you did wrong or didn't know to do, then, then one of the problems is you, you will grow up and, and uh, you will feel like that, you, that you're always guilty. You'll always be having this impending sense of guilt that tends to control how you make decisions, whether you venture out there, whether you believe God, those sorts of things. Then from about ages six to 12, you got industry versus inferiority. And this is where, this is where competence really, you know, really comes in, your, your sense of being competent and confident. And, you know, at school, your competence is challenged. And unfortunately, I tell you, I've got grandkids in school now, and, and you know, I, I ask the question almost every week, uh, did these people who wanted to become teachers, did they not understand they need people skills? The way they talk to kids, the way they treat kids, the way they try to teach kids uh, is, is going to be so devastating to these kids in, in, their adult, in their adult life because the way they're taught, the way they're corrected, the way they're instructed makes them feel very often a sense of inferiority as opposed to a sense of, of deep confidence and competence. Then about 12 years old to 18 years old, you're getting into your developing your, your sense of identity. And this is where you start having uh, peer relationships. You start uh, dealing with sexual issues. And, um, and at this age, this is where this is where teenagers start looking for their identity. And teenagers generally discover their identity based on the group of people that accept them. And once teenagers get acceptance from some group of people, then they begin to take on the likeness 
of, of those people. You see, they start, they start dressing like, talking like, acting like, and, and becoming interested in the things uh, that the people who accept them are interested in. This is why gangs are so powerful in these, early, in these 12, uh, 12 year olds, 18 year olds. And this is why people get in gangs so quickly because they are looking for an identity, and that identity is established primarily through acceptance. And then from ages 19 to 40 years old, then there's the intimacy and, and affiliation which brings you to love versus isolation. And at this, at, at this time in your life, what you're really, really looking for is loving, fruitful, harmonious relationships. And, and at, see, again, at every one of these stages, each one of these stages prepares you for the next stage. And, and if at any of these stages we do not get what we need developed in our life, then when we go to the future stages, ultimately we will not be prepared. We will not be emotionally equipped to handle what's ahead of us. Then about 40 to 65 years old, we're, we're, we're dealing with, a, with a, a, the possibility of, of stagnation and, and self-absorption uh, uh, because of the, of the fact that we're you know, we're parenting, we got to give our lives to our children, we got to invest in our children, and we're either going to, you know, we're either, again, we're going to uh, create gener generations of, of offspring that become healthy, we're going to multiply and nurture into the lives of our kids, and we're going to give our lives away, or we're going to become self-absorbed and self-centered and withhold from our children and, and perpetuate destructive cycles that have gone on in the lives of our children. And then from 65 years old to death, we're dealing with integrity versus despair. And at this point in time, people are reflecting on and trying to come to grips with the ability to accept uh, what their life has been up until this point. So, and, and, and you know, there's other factors in this. There's the way people treated us. There's the judgments that people passed about us. There's what we meditated on and what we thought about how we managed information. There's all kinds of things in here, but the... The, the, the most important thing that we have to realize is that basically we begin to act like our influences dictate it. Let me say that again. We started to take on behavior that was pretty much imposed upon us by the influences around us. And most of the behavior that we took on was survival behavior. You see, in, in your family, and I'm not necessarily talking about physical survival, even though some of us that grew up in violent uh, environments, we, we had to do things to physically survive. But for most of us, it's emotional survival. How do you fit into your family and not be ridiculed, criticized, uh, taken advantage of, and those sorts of things? Well, what you do is you identify a behavior pattern. You identify roles that you fit into and these roles help you survive. And the sad thing is, as you take on this survival behavior, based on what you go through in each of these stages and based on what happens in all of your relationships, you take on this survival uh, role and that role does help you survive in your family and as a child, but then when you get out into the normal world, you continue to implement or put into practice this behavior, I mean, the survival behavior, which is not normal in real life. And, and so life isn't working for us. And the problem is we can't give up this behavior because uh, this behavior is what helped us survive in the dysfunction that we grew up in. Uh, 
But it's killing us now, but, but we've learned to trust this behavior. We've learned to function this way. This is who we think we are. And basically, our real identity is hidden beneath this survival behavior. See, we thought we were our behavior. We, we thought that this behavior really determined who, uh, uh, who we really were. And really, we began to create an identity based on an external life. And we lost uh, our true original, original identity. Now, keep in mind, your entire life, you had experiences. And these experiences, some of them you succeeded, some of them you failed. Some of them you opened yourself up and you got hurt. You went through all of these positive and negative influences. And in your mind, your mind basically causes you to come to believe that you are the sum total of your life's experiences. And so in every single situation that you ever face, uh, every time you get ready to make a decision, every time you get ready to have a relationship to solve a problem, or make an investment, or make a, a job decision, I mean, in a millisecond, your mind, like a supercomputer, goes back through every experience that you have ever had, and basically makes you think uh, that you can, or you can't, do whatever it is that you want to do, or succeed at whatever it is that's in front of you. And so we're, we are living out of our, out of our, mental sense. And really, you know, what the mind does is the mind seeks to pr protect our ego because our ego is this false sense of who we are. And so we don't want to have a failure. We don't want to have a disappointment in who we think we are. So that's why, that's why our mind works to make sure we only try things that we feel safe about and we feel safe about them based on something that we have known in the past. And so I want you to understand something. Your mind never wants you to venture into the unknown. But you know something? If we're going to follow God and be the person that God's called us to be, we're always going to be venturing into the unknown. We're always going to be jumping out there into, into something we've never done, being someone we've never been on, a, on this journey of discovery about a new identity in Christ. Colossians 3.8 says this. It says, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language uh, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now, we have this behavior that we have put on to survive. This behavior can include lying, cheating, immorality, uh, slander, criticism, defensiveness. I mean, all of these behaviors, we put them on. And, and, and these are the behaviors or the functions that we have put on as a way to survive and as a way to protect uh, our ego and as a, as, as a way to keep from getting hurt again, as a way to keep from letting anybody else get the upper hand on us. And, and, but the problem is, that's not really who we are. And see, that's why when we came to Jesus, we were supposed to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, when you believe something in your heart, not just your mind, but when you believe something in your heart, it alters your sense of identity. It alters your sense of who you are. You see, when you start connecting 
with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when you start connecting with the resurrected Lord who conquered death, hell, the grave, uh, conquered Satan, cast him out of heaven, came before the throne of God, received an inheritance, and sat down at the right hand of God, as you begin to connect with that risen Lord, you begin to develop a sense of this connection and this, this identity with Him. Instead of the identity with the gang or the identity with this group over here, you start creating this, this, this sense of identity out of being connected to Him. And ultimately, that's what the Bible calls in Him or through Him or by Him. You start discovering that you are in Him. You were baptized into Him when you got born again and that you have this new identity. Now, you have the habit if you will, of doing everything that you've done in the past. But the Bible says we've got to put off that old man. We've got to put off all of this old behavior. We've got to put off all of this stuff that's unacceptable. Why? So that we can put on the new man. It says, and put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Now, this word knowledge has to do with not just knowing something informationally, even though it's part of it, but knowing something informationally and coming to experience it, coming to uh, experience it as being real, coming to experience it as being who we really are. Now, God deals with you in your heart, and this is really important to understand this. God does not speak to you in your mind. He speaks to you in your heart. Now, you translate it to words that you hear in your mind, and that's, that's why a lot of people argue. So, yes, I hear God speak in my mind all the time. Well, I know you think you do, but you don't. God speaks to your heart. God is a heart God. All that God does, He does through your heart. Now, <clears throat> so, uh, so God is always trying to speak into, or He is speaking to our heart. We're, the question is whether or not we're hearing Him, whether or not we have trained ourselves to recognize the voice of God in our heart. But God is always speaking in, in our heart saying, this is who you are. You are righteous. You are godly. You are sanctified. You're, you're holy. You're loved, you're accepted, you're approved. And he's not just speaking words, he's speaking experiences. He's breathing. See, the life, the life of God is not just information. It's, it's information that, uh, that is encoded into an experience. You see, when God says, I love you, if you actually hear that in your heart, it's not just that you get these words, I love you, but you get this experience that God loves me. You know, it's interesting. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 4, it says, put on the hidden man of the heart. See, you got born again, and the problem is you still think you are who you used to be. And sadly, we get born again, and people tell us, all right, now you've got to become godly. You've got to become righteous. You've got to, you, you've got to start doing all this thing to become who you're supposed to be. Well, the truth is, that's, that's not how it happens. We, our spirit has been regenerated. Our spirit has been made new. Our spirit man is as righteous, is as holy, is as godly as is possible. Your spirit will never get any more righteous than it is right now. Now, the, issue, the problem is, is this is hidden in us. Now, God in the deep recesses of our heart, the part of our heart that, say our heart is part spirit and part soul. The part of our heart that is spirit 
Man, our identity is written in there. I mean, God is breathing this life in there who we are. But it's the hidden man of the heart because the part of our heart that's soul, the part of our heart where we think and have emotions, we still think we're that old person and we've got to go get counseling and we've got to pray enough. We've got to read enough of the Bible. Let me tell you something. I believe in praying. I believe in reading the Bible. I believe in giving myself these things. Not to become something I'm not, but to discover who I really am. Because you see, everything that I read about who Jesus is, that's who I really am. Because I am in Him. I have been born again. You have been born again. And I want to tell you something. Who we are is hidden beneath a lifetime of dysfunctional behavior. He's hidden in our heart. That means that since He's the hidden man of the heart, we can only find Him in our heart. Now, I'll tell you something. Without these destructive influences in your life, you, you wouldn't think that you're the person that you think you are. <laughs> I, I, I read a statement one time, and it's, it's one of these kind of almost like a Zen riddle, but it's, uh, it, it's so true. It says, it says, I am not who you think I am. I am not who I think I am. I think I am who I think you think I am. <laughs> you see, we tend to look at the world around us and, 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 and try to second guess who they think we are. And before long, that's who we start thinking that we are. So I want to tell you something. God created you to be industrious independent, confident, dependable, flexible. God created you in His likeness and image. God created you to walk through life with a sense of dignity and worth because you know who you really are in connection to your Creator. But see, not many people ever discover that. Not many people ever awaken to who God says they are. Not many people ever meet the hidden man of their heart. But you can only be empowered to be the person you believe you are. You know something? This is why it's so important to get around positive people after you get saved. This is why it's so important to get around people who see the best in you. You know, there, there's another old saying that says, the person that will influence your life is not the person you believe in, but it's the person that believes in you. I'll tell you, when you get around people who believe in you, you will let them speak into your life. You will accept their teaching, their influence. You will accept their counsel because you know they believe in you. You know they see the best in you. You know they see that your potential and you want to hear what they've got to say. Well, I want to tell you, the religion has lied to us about God and, and we don't see God as somebody who believes in us. We see God as this mean judge that's sitting there just waiting for us to step out of line. So can smack us upside the head with some kind of a curse. I'll tell you something, that's, that's not who God is. That's not who God has ever been. And if you even think that's who God was in the Old Testament, it's just because you're not really understanding who He really is. You're not seeing Him through the life of Jesus. I want you to understand something. God believes in you so much that He sent His Son 
to become your sin, take your punishment, die in your place, conquer your sin, conquer death, hell, and the grave, be raised from the dead, and obtain an inheritance in your behalf and say, here it is. I'm not waiting to see if you're going to earn it. I'm not waiting to see if you're going to deserve it. Here it is. All you've got to do is awaken to it. All you've got to do is accept this reality and walk into this, this new adventure. Now, it's an adventure of the unknown. But I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be the greatest adventure you've ever walked into. It's time for you to stop saying negative things about yourself. It's time for you to stop talking about yourself like you're the person you used to be. And it's time for you to start acknowledging and experiencing that you are who God says you are. Listen, I'm going to be back in just a moment. I'm going to share what we call a mentoring moment, share some really important stuff with you. Don't go away. Be sure and be here. Listen, you can move past where you are. You can, you can burst beyond the limits that you have put on your life. And I want you to understand something. The Bible teaches us that we are the ones that limit God in our life. Not because we want to, not because we're trying to be mean, not because we're trying to be hard-hearted, but we limit God because we either don't know or we're afraid to trust the covenant. We're afraid to trust what He's done for us in Jesus. But this month and in this incredible series that I'm providing for you, I tell you, I'm going to move you through, uh, through this. Break this cycle of repeated pain, repeated hurt. Just break this cycle of living in lack and living in need. And listen, it's all got to start first by owning the problem. Owning the problem. We know psychologically the way we're wired, we cannot solve a problem we will not own. This is not where you beat yourself up. This is not where you condemn yourself. But this is where you acknowledge, Father, I am not living the quality of life that Jesus promised. I am still struggling with the emotional debt of my own heartache. But I choose to be set free. And now this is where you use your authority. The Bible says you have to bind and loose. The Bible says you have to make choices, that you have to use your faith. And this is where you use your authority. And if it's part of the curse, whatever's going on in your life, and if you don't know what the curse is, go read Deuteronomy 28, and you'll see a kind of a, a, a capsulized list of the blessings and the curse. Now, under the Old Covenant, they received the blessings and the curses based on their, uh, their ability to obey all of the law. Under the New Covenant, we receive the blessings and are delivered from the curses because we are in Jesus. So this is where you read those curses. If there's anything in your life that's a curse, if there's anything in your life causing you not to trust God or to strain or to strive or to be tempted or to struggle, that's when you say no in the name of Jesus and call it by name, whatever it is. You feeling and of whatever... I command you to leave me. I command you to depart from me in the name of Jesus. You are not from God. And now you take the blessing, the promise that is ours because we're in Jesus. And you acknowledge, Father, I am in Jesus and I proclaim this into my life. I claim blessing. I proclaim peace. I proclaim prosperity. And I open my heart to you, Holy Spirit, to lead me down this path of abundant life in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.